0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: Border towns brace for a surge of migrants as... Title 42 is
2: lifted. The problem that is taking place is that the Biden administration has sent all sorts of signals incentivizing people to tr- come across the
1: border. The White House postpones
3: the scheduled meeting on the debt ceiling. The president right now uh, has a very dreamlike uh, version of what his leverage is. Elon Musk announces
4: he has found a new Twitter CEO. Elon Musk is going to transition away from the CEO role into an executive chairman roll. This is the
1: Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, May
2: 12th.
1: I'm Mike Scott. Title 42 was lifted late Thursday night, which many experts believe would trigger a massive surge of illegal migrants to the southern border of the U.S. Allie Bradley is on the ground in Texas, and the reporter says, The scene in her eyes is chaotic.
0: Let's start with what we're seeing here. First of all, we have bus after bus after bus lined up here outside of La Plaza parking garage, where migrants are dropped off after being processed and released by Border Patrol. They then go into the underneath area of the parking garage. They get COVID testing and then they walk over here. This is an NGO on the other corner, Rolando. If we can show this group right here. This is a group. uh, This is an NGO that helps these migrants after they come out from their COVID testing. So we're seeing the process happen right now. Again, these people have all been processed and released by border patrol.
1: Bradley also explains the mass releases now being implemented by the Department of Homeland Security.
0: DHS has actually authorized mass releases, calling it parole for certain immigrants who have crossed over. And this happens for people that are in between the ports of entry as well. So let's break this down a little bit about what this exactly means. So these individuals will be processed and released without a court date or a notice to appear. Instead, they're told to report to an ICE office within 60 days. They're then to set up what they're uh, expected to enter to as removal proceedings. So they're supposed to set up their own removal proceedings here under this uh, parole policy, but there's no way to actually keep track of them once they're released. And this as Title 8 is still in place and supposed to be used as a primary removal tool after midnight tonight. Now, despite the warnings from DHS, more than 150,000 people are waiting in border states to cross into the U.S. and not through these ports of entry as directed. But some say a better life is worth the risk.
1: Addressing the alarming report of a makeshift explosive that was confiscated, Bradley says that that investigation is still ongoing.
0: So amid all this chaos and confusion down here along the southern border over the last few weeks, someone was actually busted trying to bring an improvised explosive device through a port of entry in Arizona. Now, this destructive device was recovered by CBP officers in a truck over the weekend at the Douglas port of entry. Now, this device was actually made up using a a mini M&M's container, black electrical tape, and there was actually wires protruding from that container. Now, it was actually found by CBP officers, but it was turned over to Arizona DPS. And uh, right now, Homeland Security Investigations is handling this.
1: Title 42 allowed authorities to turn away migrants at U.S. borders due to concerns over COVID-19. However, Title 42 also carried almost no legal consequences for migrants crossing, meaning if they were pushed back They could try to cross again multiple times. Ed Morrissey is host of the Ed Morrissey Show and managing editor at HotAir.com. He joins our Daybreak Insider podcast and says when it comes to the border crisis, the end of Title 42 isn't the real issue.
2: They're not prepared for the end of Title 42. And we can see that because Title 42 is... I think it's been a little overblown in terms of its actual impact here. This is uh, this is not the real issue. Title 42, I don't think, was even all that effective. And we knew that this was going to be coming to an end for months, if not years. Uh, the problem that is taking place is that the Biden administration has sent all sorts of signals incentivizing people to tr- come across the border that they're going to be gracious, that they're going to be welcoming, and all that sort of thing. And now they're trying to change that up by saying, well, no, don't cross the border. You have to go through the normal channels. But all of the rhetoric that Democrats have been using, not just in the last couple of years, but really for decades, has incentivized this mass movement of people uh, across the uh, southern border. And so ending Title 42 is only providing a focus point for us to say, this is a bad policy, this is this is entirely uh, incompetent management of this system here. And what we need is strong disincentives and stronger border security.
1: While the border crisis has been said to be President Biden's weakest issue, Morrissey feels that it is one of many failures of the White House that voters will take into account come 2024.
2: I don't necessarily think that um, the border crisis is going to be the big crux of 2024, I think the big crux of 2024 is going to come down to uh, age and confidence and, um, and, and probably the economy. But I don't want to sell the border crisis short either, because it's part of this background of instability and unsettledness that came into play in 2020 in terms of the uh, urban cores, which were going through all of the violence and, and rioting, still we're seeing you know, massive crime spikes. So it's part of that unsettledness, that, that sense that There's nobody at the helm imposing law and order and the rule of law, uh, not just on the border, but in the cities as well. So I think it adds to that, but I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be the first thing on which people are going to cast their vote.
1: Addressing the border security bill House Republicans passed, Morrissey says that, unfortunately, it's not going anywhere because Senate Democrats simply don't want to admit their immigration policies are failing.
2: I know that Dan Crenshaw had serious concerns about it and that they were working to fix some of those concerns, and that's just part of the normal legislative process, right, and to make sure that we get the best bill that we possibly can get. Uh, What I can say, though, is, and I'm pretty confident about this, is that no matter what House Republicans pass, it's not going to go anywhere because Democrats in the Senate and in the White House don't want to uh, be committed to having to impose security Um, you know, greater security and and, and obviously much better border security as a consequence of their failed policies. They don't want to admit that their policies are failing, so they don't want to change things without getting what they want out of it.
1: So how do Americans fix the border crisis? Morrissey has one simple solution.
2: The solution to this is simple. Build the wall. It, it, It won't stop everything, but what it will do is it will allow for the Border Patrol to have a much more efficient um, way of enforcing border security, and if there's gaps, they can they can patrol the gaps a lot easier. If than if the whole thing is a gap, and that's the problem. And we need to have that border wall constructed. We need to have better, um, you know, better technology applied as well. But you really do need the barrier uh, because this has just gotten to be such a bad problem that it can't be stopped by simply having you know mounted border patrols. Or even, or even you know, SUV border patrols just simply going up and down the road. It's, it's far too much of a, it. The scope is far too great now for that. You really do need the barrier. You need a lot more um, people on the border until you get that barrier built.
1: When asked about the proposed legislation that would label drug cartels as terrorist groups, Morrissey says that Washington simply needs to deal with the cartels with the gloves off.
2: I got to tell you, I'm not a big fan of the idea of, of labeling cartels as terrorist groups. I think we just label them as cartels and deal with them uh, firmly. Terrorist groups—I mean, th- th- those are people who are trying to impose political change by random violence against civilian populations. The cartels are, are completely different, different kind of outfit. They're trying to do drug trade. They're trying to make some money off of human trafficking. Uh, that's not terrorism. It's—it's it's bad. It's dangerous. It's. Um, it's morally repugnant, and we really should be dealing with them uh, with a lot more firmness and force than we do right now. But I don't think you need—I don't think you need to water down the definition of a terrorist group in order to do that. I think what we just need to have is the will in Congress and in this in this administration to deal with the cartels and the danger they uh, they pose um, with blinders off and and you know with the
1: gloves off. Once Title 42 lifts, the U.S. government will return to a decades-old section of U.S. code known as Title 8, which Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has warned would carry more severe consequences for illegal immigrants found to be entering the country without a legal basis. The Daybreak Insider podcast would like to thank Ed Morrissey for joining us. If you would like to hear more from Ed... Head to HotAir.com and follow him on Twitter at Ed Morrissey. The Biden administration tells China it wants to move beyond the recent spy balloon controversy. Daybreak Insiders Greg Clugston joins us with the very latest on the tensions between the U.S. and Beijing from the White House. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan met a Chinese
2: foreign policy advisor in Vienna this week. According to a senior official, Sullivan told him the administration is looking to move beyond tensions spurred by the shooting down of a
1: Chinese spy balloon that flew across the continental United States. The meeting was not publicized ahead of time, and the White House described the discussions as candid and constructive. Between president Joe Biden and congressional leaders today has been scrubbed, moved abruptly to next week, while staff-level talks are expected to continue through the weekend. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy believes the White House's actions show that the president actually wants to default on the debt.
4: The staff has met the last two days. We think it's productive for the staff to meet again. Um, I have not seen from there uh, a seriousness
3: of the White House that they want to deal. It seems like they want to default where they want to deal.
1: Capitol Hill is staring down a June 1 deadline for some sort of compromise on the debt limit in order to allow continued borrowing. A few experts are warning that should the U.S. default, it could send a shockwave through an already shaky economy. Kevin Madden is a political strategist and joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to say that House Republicans simply have more leverage than the White House in these negotiations.
3: There's not a lot of leverage to go around right now, but I think you have to give the edge to uh, the Speaker and the House Republicans only by the, for the fact that they have already passed a bill out of the House of Representatives that raises the debt limit, except it has uh, serious uh, spending restraints involved in it, which the Democrats and the president have said are are, are sort of non-starters right now. They want a clean debt ceiling. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Washington and all of the folks that are observing this process right now, Marnie, are very bearish on the prospects of getting thing, something done very soon. I think there's a very high expectation that this could go down to the last minute because the the, the president right now uh, has a very dreamlike uh, version of what his leverage is. He thinks that um, standing strong against, the Demo- against Republicans and insisting that any debt ceiling uh, be a clean debt ceiling raise, um, it's just not... It's just not in the cards right now. And so as a result, we are stuck in the standoff.
1: Madden tells the Daybreak Insider what he believes needs to happen
3: in order to get a bill passed. What's most important over the next uh, 48 hours is that all of the leaders uh, get into a room and really start trying to hammer out the details. If there's one lesson that uh, I've always applied to my life in politics and my life here in Washington, it's expedite the inevitable. And the inevitable here is that uh, a bill is going to have to pass with some level or some concessions around spending levels or spending cuts. And so the White House has to recognize that right away and try to make whatever negotiations as painless as possible so that they can ultimately get a deal, avoid the calamitous impact that a default would have, and declare victory and get on with um, the rest of their agenda.
1: When asked if he believes that there could be some compromise... Madden had this to say.
3: I expect that if the White House were to try to find some area of agreement on spending, it would be any rescissions or clawbacks related to unspent COVID relief funds. Um, If that was a starting point and they tried to move, uh, uh, you know, as robustly around that agreement, I think that's probably the one domino that will start to fall as we start to see some uh, uh, greater levels of consensus and agreement on an ultimate deal.
1: Looking ahead to 2024, Madden believes that Joe Biden cannot afford a default on
3: the debt. Ultimately, Washington, as an, as an institution, will be judged very harshly if rooted default, and the president just happens to be the titular head of the of the institution of Washington. Um, so he has much more at stake. He also has a concentrated level of attention being paid to him on this, whereas House Republicans and congressional um, uh, con- other congressional allies they have a little bit more of a diluted effect on their reelection prospects. The president's heading into a reelection in twenty twenty four. With historically low approval ratings, a, a default on the debt and the calamitous effects that it would ultimately have on the markets, I think it would really, really hurt his prospects.
1: The White House is rejecting the Republican proposal to roll back federal spending to fiscal 2022 levels from five months ago and impose a 1% cap on annual spending for the next decade. U.S. debt now totals 31 trillion dollars. A majority of voters believe that the Biden family likely participated in a pay-for-play scandal with foreign actors. It's all part of the results of a survey released Thursday. Daybreak Insider's Edwin Mora has more on this story.
4: A majority of voters consider new revelations from GOP congressional investigators about foreign payments to President Joe Biden's family a serious pay-for-play scandal, according to the latest Rasmussen survey of voters of all political stripes. According to the results of the survey published Thursday, 69% of voters said the reports of foreign influence peddling targeting Biden and his family are a serious scandal, including 49% of Democrats, 72% of independent voters, in 88% of Republicans, Edwin Mora, Capitol Hill.
1: On Thursday, Elon Musk announced that he has found a new chief executive for Twitter, without naming who it is. According to a post on the social media platform that he owns, Musk says that he will transition to the role of chief technology officer of Twitter within the next few weeks.
4: Some breaking news, this involving Twitter, of course, now a private company under the stewardship of Elon Musk, learning that Elon Musk is going to transition away from his CEO role into an executive chairman role, as well as a chief technology officer role. Ed Ludlow of Bloomberg
1: reports on what is known so far.
5: Well, Elon Musk says in the tweet that the new CEO, she will be starting in the role in around six weeks. Musk had actually said in February that he may need a year to fix Twitter before handing over the reins to someone else. What he is doing in the second paragraph on the tweet you see on your screen is reiterating something he's done said before that irrespective of his title, he wanted to be involved on the engineering product and functionality side of Twitter. He says explicitly that I will be overseeing products, software, and psyops. Working on the the data center or compute side of Twitter has been a big priority since he's come into the business. Bloomberg had reported at the end of last year that a CEO search is underway.
1: Ludlow shares that Twitter may soon become a publicly traded company again.
5: I'll leave you with this parting thought. Yeah. that We also reported that in the documents sent to in private investors in the new X Holdings entity, there was a pledge to take Twitter public again or the company yeah. public within a five-year time span at that time when the new private investors were brought on board.
1: Musk has long said he intends to find new leadership for Twitter. In a Twitter poll started by Musk... Back in December, 57.5% of users voted for him to step down as CEO of the social media platform. Musk, a self-proclaimed free speech promoter, has said he took over Twitter to prevent the platform from becoming an echo chamber for hate and division. Wholesale prices in the U.S., decelerated last month more on the new numbers from our daybreak insider jeremy house
0: from march to april the government's producer price index rose just 0.2 percent after falling 0.4 percent from february to march compared with the year earlier wholesale prices rose just 2.3 percent the labor department index reflects prices charged by manufacturers farmers and wholesalers Excluding volatile food and energy prices, so-called core wholesale inflation rose 0.2% from March and 3.2% from 12 months earlier.
1: Very good news for kids with peanut allergies. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on a medical breakthrough for people with nut allergies.
4: A new clinical trial finds that a new wearable patch could prevent peanut allergic reactions in toddlers. The trial involved over 200 children ages 1 to 3 with peanut allergies, and they found that after wearing the patch for a year, 67% were able to tolerate a small amount of peanut protein. Tasha Stevens reporting.
1: And finally, NASA is going to scour the planet Uranus for alien life. It's all part of a new study that May show alien life may be closer to home than we thought. Specifically, the planet Uranus's moons, Titania and Oberon, may have oceans that are warm enough to support life. In other words, when it comes to finding ETs, we may not need to look beyond
4: our own solar system. Four of the 27 moons orbiting the outer planet Uranus, Ariel, Umbriel, Titania, and oberon may have the necessary composition to support life. Scientists have found evidence of oceans that could be miles deep lying between their icy crust and cores, the New York Post reports. Moreover, they have identified a potential heat source in the rocky mantles of these moons that could help maintain a warm environment suitable for supporting life. This scenario is especially likely for Titania and Oberon, where the oceans may be warm enough to sustain habitability. Telescopes have observed evidence that material has flowed onto the surface of at least one of the moons, Ariel potentially from icy volcanoes relatively recently. The discovery of a potential water source on these moons is a significant development in the search for extraterrestrial life given their relative proximity to Earth. Julie Castillo-Rogues and her team based their discovery on a re-evaluation of data that was gathered by NASA's Voyager 2 spacecraft during its flyby of Uranus in the 1980s. This finding is part of a bigger picture in the Jovian planet's region that could potentially support life.
1: Researchers built computer models using data from NASA spacecraft. They included information about the chemistry and geology of the moons. What they learned is that the water on Titania and Oberon may contain high amounts of ammonia, which is significant because ammonia has anti-freezing properties. In layman's terms, there may be liquid water on the moons of Uranus. The NASA scientists now hope to continue developing models of the planet's systems in preparation for potential future missions to explore the distant ice world and its moons.